everyone, welcome to this episode of Asian Glow Up Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm April, I'm Jackie, and I'm Jojo. In today's episode, we're discussing our sexuality and how we navigate authenticity in our personal life and also in the workplace. So, Joey, please introduce Woo, yourself. Hey. Thanks, y'all. I'm honored, and thanks for graciously letting me stay at your Airbnb. Of course. Excited to spend the next couple of days and weeks with y'all. So, just to bring everyone into where we are in time and space, we are at an Airbnb. We've been here for about a week. And we came back because all of us actually had to move out of our apartments because of COVID. And Joey decided to come stay with us just because he is leaving New York and we're going to miss him. So we're trying to spend as much time together as possible. So Joey, do you want to talk about why you're leaving New York? Totally. So I'm based in New York, but I found a new job in San Francisco. Uh, Yeah, I actually quit my job during COVID. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe it either, but I'm just taking where the wind is leading me and <laughs> the next chapter is San Francisco. So I'm going to make the most of my last couple of months here with my girls, Yay. spending quality time here in the cabin that's Recording really an podcast. Airbnb. <laughs> exactly. So Joey, do you want to talk about what your previous role title was and where you are now? Yeah. So my previous job, I was an associate account manager at an advertising agency And this is my first full-time job out of college, so I was still enamored with the glitz and glamour of my first full-time job out of college, Mm -hmm. being in advertising, working in New York City. It was all super exciting to me, and it still is. I'm still in love with the city. And it it was really great starting off at my job. I felt like I could connect slowly but surely with my coworkers. The intro was a little bit rough. My name is Joey Choi, and in the global newsletter that was sent out to all the offices, around the world, I was introduced as Joey Kim. Oh, where do they even get Kim from? Yeah. The HR manager sent me an email five minutes after it was sent oh. out saying, I'm so sorry I misspelled your name. Oh my God. Was they there just someone else it. named Kim that they like mixed you up with or were they just like, Joey oh, Kim. Kim? There was no other person with the last name Kim or no other Korean at the office nonetheless. Yeah. So yeah. that mix up was really due to a racial microaggression mm-hmm. done by HR. So I wish I handled the situation differently because starting off with my first full-time job, I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. I didn't want to cause a ruckus. So I politely said, you know what? It's okay. And so I moved on. Didn't really have a second thought about it. And work was going well. Fast forward a couple of months later, COVID hit my office pretty hard. Everyone was working remotely. That's when my office disproportionately laid off people of color and women from the agency. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the last straw for me. And I couldn't see myself compromising my values, staying at an agency that really didn't value people like me, people of color, people that come from marginalized backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So I made the really rough decision to quit during COVID. And I was just kind of struck because I kept thinking about not being happy at my job. But the only thing that was keeping me there was my coworkers and sadly the ones that I was really close to all got laid off. So I kind of had to take charge and march forward with my future in my own hands and find happiness somewhere else professionally. And Jackie, to your other point, the other facet of authenticity that I'm trying to bring forth going forward is my sexuality. And a little preface on that, I have a shift of mindset and why I felt so awkward in the workplace was because I didn't really see my coworkers really as people and I felt like they really didn't see me as a person. 
And so I want to break that awkward corporate barrier of coworkers and see people more as like who they are, what they offer as a human being. It's still uncharted waters for me. I'm still navigating how really to portray myself, how I want to depict myself in front of my coworkers, especially getting onboarded remotely, which has been yeah. really weird, mm -hmm. not seeing any of my coworkers mm -hmm. and just seeing everyone virtually. It's really an interesting time to start a new job. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all the more a greater challenge for me to embrace my sexuality in the workforce. Mm -hmm. So Joey, as a Korean American, do you approach your sexuality with as much openness in your personal life as you do with your work life? I would say I'm a lot more open in my personal life. I'm working on, you know, being as transparent as I can in my work life. What's great about starting a new job is that it feels like a clean slate. Like I'm working with a brand new set of people, people who haven't yet had the chance to make judgments about me. Really, I feel like I can craft my own narrative about who I want to be as a person. I feel like disclosing all the little bits of me that make me who I am will come as time goes. So in terms of my personal life, I'm really transparent with my friends about everything that's going on with me. With my family, it's a little bit different. I grew up in a very Southern Baptist, Korean Christian community. There were a lot of Koreans growing up in the church. And so what was great about that experience is that there's a lot of people who look like me, who think like me, who talk like me, being raised in the faith. There's a lot of community and power that can be found in that. Where I kind of went astray from that is that it started to clash with my personal identity being a gay Korean man. From there, I started questioning a lot about my religion in terms of why is it so against who I am as a person? Why do I feel so sinful when I'm trying to be my full authentic self? Mm -hmm. And so it was really difficult growing up having these questions and having no one to talk about, being the only gay person, openly gay person in my church, as well as one of three queer people in my high school. Mm -hmm. It was quite the alienating experience. When I did decide to come out, I decided to leave the church. That was my personal decision because I didn't want to compromise my personal identity for the faith that I was raised in for 20 plus years. Was it just you or did you have anyone to go to to talk about this to kind of explore it further? So when I was 15, my brother outright asked me, Joseph, my birth name, <laughs> are you gay? And this question came out of left field, and I was stunned for a good couple of seconds, debating between living the lie I normally lived at the time, or being honest with myself and with another person for the first time in my life about my sexuality. So I chose the latter, and everything spilled out. I felt like the floodgates finally opened and I could express everything about my struggle with my sexuality with my brother. And tip for all of you out there, if you have friends that you suspect are gay, do not ask them, <laughs> are you gay? Let them come to you and express that on their own terms. Trust me, it's going to make it a lot less awkward for them and it's <laughs> going to make them feel a lot more comfortable approaching you when they can do it on their own terms. So I had a really good conversation with my brother and from there I feel like that was the first stepping point with living in my skin comfortably for the first time. And I would say that conversation with my brother gave me the strength to come out to my parents when I was 15. Wow. Surprisingly, they took it really well, but a part of me knows that they were in denial 
about my sexuality. And we didn't talk about it for years until senior year of high school when I went to prom with another guy. We wore really cute matching Aww. navy Wait, suits. I love that. Do you have photos? I'll circulate a photo yes. to you three after this. But I love that. Yeah, we had matching pink ties, super gay, super cute. <laughs> I love that. Here for it. Gay AF. Yeah. yeah. But coming out gave me a lot of courage to really make a mark and express myself and not care about what anyone else thinks. But trouble soon followed that because I showed my prom photos to my parents thinking they would be elated to see it. They looked at the photo and their eyes dropped and their demeanor changed. And they told me, you know, this is wrong, right? They were really concerned about, you know, me going to hell, being raised in the faith mm. of creationism and heaven and hell and where gay people lie in that scenario. Yeah. And they sent me a pamphlet for a gay conversion camp and they casually said, you know, something to think about. And I remember ripping that up and I was so furious at my parents and I was so confused because seemingly they're okay with my coming out three years ago when I was 15. So hearing that I was really confused and it spiraled into a really, really nasty argument with me and my mom talking about not wanting to be a part of this family. And for a month, I didn't talk to them. And the only person I talked to was my best friend, Jenny, who I've known since I was three years old. It was a really rough month, a lot of questions, a lot of anger, a lot of confusion. But really, it wasn't until my parents reached out to her, concerned about my mental well-being, that I decided that it's not easy for my parents either. This is really new for them. And really, it made me shift my perspective and empathize with them that although it's super hard on me and I have every right to be angry and furious at my parents, this is their first time experiencing having a gay child. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I had to express more grace and really patch things up and make amends with my parents. Since that encounter, it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation. So when this happened, was this during senior year of high school? Was this in the summertime? Senior year of high school when I was about to graduate senior prom. So it was like the end of the year. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I just want to let anyone know who's listening to this right now that if you know someone or if you yourself personally are struggling with your sexuality, your sexual orientation, do your best to just fully embrace it and really lean towards the people in your life that will support you. And I promise that it will work itself out. And being different sexually is fun. Being gay is a great experience. <laughs> it does come with its hardships but you're just like any other human being. There's a term I learned in college called intersectionality coined by Natalie Crenshaw. And what that term really explains is we are people with so many layers to us, so many identities that are commingling, that are overlapping with each other. And those identities that accumulate shape our ultimate experience in the world. So me being a man, Korean, as well as being gay, those all shape my experiences, not independently, but as one experience. So, for example, in the workplace, I'm constantly code switching between me being a man in a predominantly female workspace, me being Korean in a predominantly white workspace, and me being gay in a predominantly heterosexual workspace. So jumping into college at UC San Diego, I felt like was such an eye-opening experience for me because for the first time in my life, I was around other queer people 
who came from all sorts of walks of life. So having those encounters and meeting people and learning about their experiences, it really gave me power to live my life the way I want and build my own experiences as a queer Korean male. So juggling all three of those identities, I feel like I've gone pretty good at it, but oftentimes I'm left questioning myself. This is my biggest demon in the workplace. I always question myself because I'm juggling all of these identities that are intersecting with each other. I'm left saying nothing and really left in my thoughts. And that's kind of the reason why I tend to stay quiet in meetings. I'm trying to think of the right thing to say, the right way to act, the right thing to do because of all of my identities. But from the outside, they just see me as someone not saying anything. So what I wish in the workspace is for my coworkers to see what's going on in my head. And that's why it's really important to have really open and honest conversations, not only with coworkers of color, but people who really need to hear it. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect this conversation to become so know, like, like yeah. so like emotional. Yeah. Very inspiring. Mm. It is very inspiring. So I have a burning question for the three <laughs> lovely ladies in the room. When did you find out that you were straight? So I asked that question because when do you ever hear, when did you know that you're straight? Right? right. That's not really a question that's no. asked yeah. because the norm is being straight and asking people, totally people who are othered, when they mm. discovered they were queer. I'm really curious. In our society, we really ground ourselves in being heteronormative, but I'm curious, within our Asian experiences, are we open about talking about our sexuality? Ooh. This is interesting because no one asked that question. I guess for me, it was when I started noticing that guys in movies were kind of cute, and I would get kind of obsessive. Now that I think about it, maybe it was Top from Big Bang. That was like, it was sixth grade for me. Yeah. I wasn't that into K-pop, but I had a group of church friends who were so into K-pop and they would not stop talking about them and watching their videos. And just seeing Top did something to me for some reason. But I never really thought about it because it's like, I will look at a girl and be like, she's so pretty or like, she's so beautiful. But it's never really like in a super sexual way. It's more of like an appreciation way. Mm -hmm. And even on, for example, on Bumble BFF, I'm probably trying to make my Bumble BFF profile better than my dating profile was when I was single, but it's more of like a, like an appreciation versus a sexual thing for me. Totally. Like yeah. I can walk past a woman that I find really beautiful and admire her mm -hmm. for her female beauty, but I don't see her that way sexually. My totally. perspective as a gay man. Mm -hmm. So I totally feel that. Yeah. I agree. I feel like growing up, I realized, oh, and Taylor Lautner was the one for me. And I was like, oh my God. But then when I'm watching videos, I'm a huge Blackpink stan, you know? I appreciate their beauty and how they look and like appreciating their, just the true selves, I guess, but like never on the sexual attraction side. Yeah. And I think we always frame a sexual awakening very early on in your adolescence or puberty. Mm -hmm. But the reality is you can have your sexual awakening at any point in your life. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Like, if Ariana Grande were to be down, I'd be down. <laughs> so if she leaned in, you would lean oh, in yeah. back? Side to side. <laughs> you guys. What about you, April? For me, I feel like I've never really given myself a chance to explore that side of me. But I guess, I don't want to say that I am interested in exploring it, but it's not that I'm not. 
Mm -hmm. I like don't know how to verbalize that because this isn't really something that I've talked to people about before. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm in a relationship now, and if I wasn't, what if the question is like, would I be willing or interested in pursuing a relationship or a sexual relationship with a woman? I honestly would be down. I was never a big stan type of person. I've never had a celebrity <laughs> crush. I've never wow. idolized celebrities ever, like even now, I think. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but I think my quote-unquote sexual awakening was never a moment. I think it was a series of moments where I would have a crush on a cute boy in class and I would find myself maybe wanting to talk to them or trying to like impress them in some way in like elementary school, middle school, whatever. I think the question of when did you realize you were straight <laughs> is very, very interesting because that's not something that we hear ever, basically. This is the first time that I've ever had to think about this and really answer this type of question when I know that other people have a very different experience and that's something constantly bombarded on them. Yeah. Right? But yeah, I think sexuality is definitely not as clear-cut or not as black and white as straight or bi or gay or whatever else. I think it's a spectrum and everyone falls somewhere along it, but it's easy to see someone who is straight and just think, oh, they're just straight or whatever, or maybe someone who's bi and even if they are bi, but in a relationship with someone of the opposite gender or sex, like that person is somehow looked at differently. I just thought of this, but like, I felt the need to constantly talk about men and guys and my attraction to them so no one thought that I swung the other way if that makes sense like not that I did but I was worried that that spotlight of someone thinking like anything that's not considered society the norm. Norm. yeah right why do I feel this need I have to constantly tell people I mean I don't know about you guys but for me when my family all gathers they'll be like where's your boyfriend <laughs> when is x getting a boyfriend <laughs> when is x getting married to a man like it's always kind of like boyfriend this boyfriend that so in especially our culture I feel like it's just very ingrained like your value is kind of based off of I don't want to say this but it's almost based off of like who you choose who who associate you yourself who with. you associate yourself with and because that directly defines who you are in their eyes if I took a shot for every time a relative asked me oh, do wow. you have a girlfriend yet <laughs> I would be very drunk right now <laughs> I think you'd have alcohol poisoning. Yeah. Pretty much. How would you respond? I always just shuffle it off, like laugh really laugh. sheepishly, yeah. mm. say, ha ha ha, not yet. Or my <laughs> parents would just swoop in and just say, oh, not yet. Like, you know, mm. he's still in college. He's still like, he's still a youngin. <laughs> so that goes back to my other point. It's kind of my pet peeve when people ask me, when did you first realize you're gay? Because I feel like there's always this fetishized infatuation with the gay experience when mm -hmm. really if you think about it would you ask these questions to a straight person no, so i feel yeah. like that's a key step in understanding that we have come a long way in terms of gender and sexual equality but we still have a ways to go because we're still not used to these conversations when it's flipped on its head towards heterosexual people so have you guys ever had the sex talk with your parents? Nope. No. I feel like I barely had like the alcohol talk with my parents. <laughs> the closest thing I've ever had to the sex talk was I was FaceTiming my mom one day and out of nowhere she just asked me, have you had sex? 
And in that split second, I was so taken aback. We've never talked. My mom and I are very close, but we've never talked about dating, sex, anything. So the fact that she just brought that up kind of out of nowhere, my first instinct was, oh my God, do I lie and mm-hmm. say no? Or do I be honest and just say yes? And I decided to be honest and oh. it was a very awkward. Wow. I like awkwardly laughed. I said, oh, ha, yes. She said, who was it with? And then I said, my, I'm not going to say his name, but my <laughs> ex's name. And she didn't know officially that we were dating because even though he and I dated for over two years, like I said, talking about dating was just not something that I did with my mom. So she said, oh, like I knew you guys were dating. Are you still together? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't give me like a huge lecture or anything, but I think she did kind of mention like saving yourself for marriage and how your future husband and your future husband's family could care about that and care about you not being a virgin, basically. Wow. And in my head, okay, this conversation was when I was 20. This was my se- my fall quarter of my senior year of college. And I remember just thinking, mom, we're not in the 90s <laughs> in like rural China. Yeah. The world is different. So Ooh. when I came home from studying abroad, in the back of my head, I was like, is my mom going to ask me? Like on the plane going home, I was a little bit like, is she going to ask me? Like, is she going to ask me for more information? What is she going to say? Never brought it up again to this day. Besides that quick five-minute conversation, we've never talked about sex. What about you, Jackie? We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. Like, even alcohol. I think because I'm nervous to talk like, about it. Like, you don't it. even want to talk about alcohol with them. Yeah. So, like, even when they offer, my parents will have a Smirnoff ice. And then when they do pour me one, they're like, oh, only a sip, you know? <laughs> like, we don't want you to get drunk. And I'm like, you're right. But, like, that is, like, kind <laughs> only of... Only a sip. Yeah. Like, that is my fault because I am also scared of that conversation with my parents. Mm-hmm. If they only knew... I've seen you throw back. I've seen you throw back many times. I'm scared. In fact, I think they would be proud. I know if your older brother has had this conversation with your parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's thrown parties like oh. at our house, so like they know. But I think just like, do you ever think because you're the girl or like the younger sister, they have a different set of standards for you compared to your brother? Oh, definitely. I feel like I'm the baby of the group or like baby of my family and I'm the baby of all my cousins. I feel like I even have to put on this very like facade of I'm very innocent. I don't do anything. Mm. All I do is go to school, go to work and go home. And I think that is their perspective. But I'm also like very worried to even change that. Like I don't want them to have a different perspective of me because what if I am drinking? What if I am dating? I'm like, even I'm private with my dating life with my friends. Like, imagine yeah. how hard it is That's to true. even talk to my family and my parents about it. I would say my parents are, they are on the traditional side, but they are somewhat Americanized. And my brother is setting that road for me. I'm just still nervous on my end to even be like, if I brought home a boy, it would have to be the guy you're gonna marry yeah like basically yeah. the guy that's kind of how i feel too yeah, yeah. Like the guy i'm gonna marry or at least like a very uh, serious like serious relationship mm-hmm. and, and like all that stuff babies unite i'm also the youngest right? <laughs> magnes <laughs> i totally agree with you jackie my parents are also super conservative but i would not say that they're traditional at all my oldest sister hannah if you're listening to this i'm so sorry <laughs> But she actually introduced her fiancé to me and my immediate family for the first time when they were already engaged. (laughs) That's wild. I love that. That's going to be me. (laughs) (laughs) Quite the surprise. Do you know why? I think there are a lot of reasons why. Just because 
I feel like my sister being the oldest, being the first to get married, my parents had certain expectations that, you know, he should be Korean or at least Asian. But my brother-in-law definitely is pushing the boundaries of what my parents expected out of a son-in-law, especially with having tattoos and everything. So it was a whole ordeal with my sister. But after that, I feel like that was a huge learning moment for my parents that the three kids that they're raising are going to be nothing but normal. And my brother recently got married and his wife is white. And so I feel like even though growing up, our family was super conservative and my parents still are pretty conservative. I would say that our family is very non-traditional. We are a new generation of Asian Americans, Korean Americans, and we just have so many unique experiences with our families. And we're just going to pass this down and it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. Exactly. So it's interesting that you two are kind of the maknes, the youngest ones, and you have older people kind of setting, I guess, the standard for you, like the new standard. But for me, I am one of like the older cousins and my other cousin who's three years older than me, she was the first one to bring a black man home. And in my family, that was very like, whoa, they would talk about it all the time. She kept it a secret from her dad and my uncle, and they met for the first time at her graduation. And I met him for the first time then too, but I knew of him the whole time. And it was just really fascinating seeing how she felt like she had to keep it a secret, but her mom knew the whole time and they both were like, we can't tell your dad. And then they eventually broke up, but now she's dating a white man and they've been together for years now and they have a dog. So it's pretty serious. And she brought him to Thanksgiving for the first time last year. And that was also the first year that I brought my half Chinese, half white boyfriend to Thanksgiving. And for me, Thanksgiving is the biggest family gathering of the year. Like my whole life, it's been like that. We invite everyone over. So it's probably like 20 people. All my cousins who don't live in Houston will drive down and it's a whole thing. But it's really funny because before my cousin kind of helped set the stage for this, my parents were like always kind of driving home. If you bring a Korean boy home, it'll just be very... I don't want to say convenient, but easy for us because then we can get to know him without any communication barriers. But of course, you know, it's 2020. You can't always have it that traditional same way. So my cousin bringing home a white dude and me bringing home a half white dude definitely has changed the standard in my family. And my brother has even said, like, I can bring whoever I really enjoy to Thanksgiving as well. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really great because, of course, my mom was always the one to say, I would love for you to bring home a Korean boy, but now that she's really gotten to know my Korean boyfriend, we will like not even be talking about him or we will be going to a really nice restaurant. She'll be like, I really wish Nick was here to come and enjoy this with us. So Joey, just to go back to the topic on being your true self at work, do you openly talk about your sexuality with your coworkers or do they know your sexuality? For me, the oldest trick in the book to let them know my sexuality without explicitly saying it is just slip in a conversation about, oh yeah, me and my boyfriend, (laughs) and then they get a pretty clear idea. Okay. But I'm currently single right now, so really can't use that example. Mm. But I would say if it ever does come up, I wouldn't shy away from disclosing like, yeah, I'm interested in them or I'm interested in guys specifically. I just feel like being honest about who I'm interested in, if it's appropriate in the context of the conversation, mm-hmm. I'm not going to shy away from it, especially not now, considering my old experiences at 
my other agency. Have you ever received any negative feedback after sharing that? Thankfully, I haven't. Most of my feedback is around not speaking out as much or not asking enough questions. So I feel like that ties back to me not bringing the full authenticity into the workplace. And so I'm trying to do a better job by sharing what I'm doing on the weekends, the type of friends that I'm seeing, really painting a more robust picture of who I am as a person instead of leaving very black and white details about Labor Day weekend. You know, I was just chilling. That really doesn't paint them any picture of who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. What I am going to tell them is that I'm spending the weekend with my three girls (laughs) in Brooklyn, going to the beach, recording podcasts, (laughs) drinking Jackie's amazing cocktails. Those are the things I'm going to tell them. And yeah, if sexuality does come up, and if they ding me for it, then that's a sign to mm-hmm. ship. It's yeah. a red flag. Yeah, it's sure. a red flag for me. So would you say your coworkers would describe you the same way that, let's say, we would describe you? Not at all. I feel like <laughs> I'm a lot more buttoned up at work. <laughs> and I feel like I kind of have to earn my stripes, prove that I can actually do the work mm-hmm. to first earn their respect. And then I can kind of loosen up a little and show, you know, like the color. Yeah. Exactly. The color of really yeah. all the different shades of who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like I still have a little bit longer to go before I will personally feel comfortable expressing everything towards my coworkers. Mm-hmm. But I feel like everyone is very, very supportive. Everyone's really friendly. A lot of people have reached out to me being the new person on the team. And there's actually a lot of queer representation on the team and a lot of people of color. And it's so refreshing and it's so unexpected working in PR. Mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful that my agency is actually doing a lot to make sure that Black voices, voices of color are being heard, Mm -hmm. especially in this climate. So I feel really grateful finding a job within two months yeah. in yeah. lieu of COVID. I'm actually really proud of myself. We're proud of job. job. Thanks. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. Just saying yes. Joey is now a strategist, right? Yes. Yeah. So, How is the job searching process for you, especially being unemployed? How is that explaining to new companies who are asking you, why did you, why did you leave? Like, how yeah. did you kind of go through that? Yeah, it's really rough, especially since people see that you're at a company for less than a year. They start asking questions. Why did you leave so early? And almost every single recruiter asked me that question. My strategy was just to put it all out on the table and say that it wasn't a good fit culturally for me. Which is true. Exactly. Yeah. And if they pride more, I'll give them the full details. I try to be as transparent as Mm -hmm. I can be. Yeah, because the industry is so small, you never know. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do going forward, especially professionally, I just want to put everything out on the table and bring out my full authentic self so they're not caught with any surprises when they find out. And likewise, I want to offer everything I have as a person, no bars held. Mm -hmm. And that includes all pieces of me, my sexuality, how I express myself, and the entire package. Yeah, because we definitely are more than our jobs. I think when you're at work, it's so easy to forget that. Because the only way you communicate with these people is through the ins and outs of production and creating things, I guess, for our work. So thank you for sharing. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's still uncharted waters for me. I'm still navigating. By that, what specific parts did you feel like you were hiding at your last job or not able to be fully, I guess, proud of? Yeah, I'm working advertising. The space is predominantly white. That's no question. It's been 
that way since advertising really grew to prominence in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So that is a really difficult space to navigate because being a person of color, being a Korean American, I felt like I really couldn't bring my Korean flair and my personality to work because I felt in true honesty my coworkers couldn't handle it. And the only instances that they could was when I brought flair to the potluck and being mm-hmm. the only cultural dish to offer to everyone. Yeah, I definitely feel that being in charge of getting dumplings for everyone, people are so thankful and I was like dumplings aren't really they're like more of like a Chinese thing I would say, right? Depends on the type. We got Chinese Vanessa's dumplings and people were like <laughs> I love Korean food. So like that's the flair that you're talking about. So I t- totally feel that. Yeah. Is there any like diversity inclusion stuff within your companies? I mean, they always say they do. Yeah. But it's very the work is put on the people of color. So at my place, the really great thing is that they have been trying to give people of color more of a voice. So mm-hmm. luckily last November, me and I would say a group of four other marginalized people came together, created a diversity, equity, and inclusion charter. And we approached leadership with a whole document saying, this is what we envision coming out of this. This is what needs to change. And we need a budget. And, you know, they gave it to us. But currently, we are under a lot of pressure because, unfortunately, the work is all on us. And, like, obviously, my role is as an art director, not as a DEI coach or leader. So it's not that I don't love doing it because it's it's hard work. It's really rewarding. But it is just really crazy that the work just falls on us. But I think... It's really unfair that you're put on that pedestal because diversity, equity, and inclusion is such like a hot buzzer word because of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter yeah, especially. movement. Mm-hmm. So for one, I, I'm glad that a lot of industries and companies are trying to put actions behind their words, mm-hmm. but they're disproportionately stressing out and putting more strain on people of color in the workplace. I and I think that they should either be compensated or respected or treated fairly in that aspect if they're going to devote time and effort towards de and i if they truly care about it they should really prioritize your mental well-being mm-hmm. and your willingness to participate mm-hmm. yeah so the great thing is we actually found a dei specialist and they're willing to pay someone who's actually who actually knows what she's doing and can help so she's going to come in and we're going to pay her for her worth obviously so i think that's great So Jackie, Jojo, April, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. No, thank you. I love picking your brains about your experience being Asian, hetero woman, and I really appreciate your curiosity and interest in my experience as a gay Korean male. I feel like having this platform is something that I'm not used to. And I just want to say sharing my story today did feel a little nerve wracking, but I hope over time I can grow comfortable sharing this story at the drop of the hat with anyone I run across. I just want to say thank you so much, Joey, for being on this podcast. We loved having you as our first guest, and it was just a very open and inspiring conversation, and I'm really glad that we were able to share this moment with you. Of course. Thanks y'all so much. We love you so much. Love you girls, too. (laughs) Asian blow-up. Okay, so now we're going to transition into our segment called Takeout Time, where we ask each other rapid-fire questions. Hey, Joey, West Coast or East Coast? West Coast, best coast. Ooh, <laughs> you know the best Bear girls are on the East Coast? Where? Oh, he said where. He said Damn. where. <laughs> Just kidding, got three right here. I'm a West Coast girl. <laughs> I'm a West Coast, too. Yeah. I'm a Central. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's a no coast girl. She's like a central southern like Galveston girl. But we all love New York, so yeah. Would you rather have an amazing role that you love, but a terrible work culture, or an amazing work culture but a terrible role? Great role, great work culture. I'm manifesting. I <laughs> love that for you. What is something you would tell your 15 or 16 year old self? Don't overthink a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Asian Globe Pod.